Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. My name is Edison Magalhães here at Iowa State University. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan here at Iowa State University. Hello, this is Daniel Linares here at Iowa State. And today we're going to cover the report number 43 of the SDRS where we cover the findings from, from the month of August, all, all, all the, the, the findings from the month of August. And just to, to, to a quick overview of the project, so the SDRS, we captured a PCR detection uh, from the, the, the four major VDLs listed on it, on the file, where we cover PCR detection for PERS, PD, enteric coronavirus, and also disease diagnosed from, from ISU VDL. And today we're going to have a, a special uh, guest here today. I'm going to have a special discussion with, with Dr. John Dean. We're going to cover uh, spe specifically the topic of cell mortality. So Dr. Dr. Dean is a distinguished professor here at the, at the College of, of Veterinary Medicine at the University of, of Minnesota. So his work uh, in research, te teaching, and extension has been in epidemiology and economics, focusing on measurement and optimization across competing needs in animal agriculture and human health. He has led numerous projects on the measurement of welfare, disease, and their clinical assessment. Welcome, Dr. Dean. It's a pleasure to have you here today with us. Thanks, and it's a pleasure to join you. I, I welcome the opportunity to discuss these subjects. Thank you. So before we get into the topic of, of soil mortality, we're going to discuss, the, like I said, the findings from the SDRS from the month of August. Giovanni, before we start then, what were the, the, the findings in terms of PCR detection for the pathogens uh, for PERS and enteric coronavirus and also uh, mycoplasma? Well, let's break it by agent. So for PERS virus, it is following expected trend of decreased detection for this time of the year. The advisory group did highlight for us that we should expect that at the end of the year some increase as the previous years. And meantime, on 2020-2021, the not all regions in the U.S. did face outbreaks of PERS virus of, uh, at abnormal level. Not all regions that had abnormal breaks had the same PERS virus strain, and not, not everybody adopted similar or equal measures to contain the spread of these agents or to uh, deal with the outbreaks. Even though there is all of this difference, the measures that were implemented seems to be successful and the farms that are adopting these measures are able to eliminate the virus. Some pigs are still being derived to the downstream sites and some uh, may regulate the uh, season of PERS virus breaks. Mm -hmm. There is more reports of more PERS virus immunization strategies, mostly by PERS MLV uh, vaccination of the herds that contribute for the immunity of these herds and somehow uh, contribute to reduce the spread of these agents in the upcoming months. Changing gears here, looking for enteric coronavirus, all of the agents is in the lower levels boundaries of detection with a remark for the wind-marked age category and detection of PED that was similar in August of July. With that, the advisory group highlights out that the system is specific should be taking approaches to monitor these agents and monitor within the specific network some activity of PD to contain spread if that arises within uh, specific regions of our farms. For mycoplasma, this is the time of the year of 
where we see some increase in detection of these agents, and that was according to the expected, highlighted by the advisory group that not everybody closely monitor these agents, but the ones that do monitor are seeing it as a, a normal activity for this time of year. One highlight that comes out is that diseases during summertime, like PERS virus, may have contributed for the activity of this agent and others in the herds that are affected by uh, endemic issues. Great. Thanks, Giovanni. Dr. Dean, before we jump into, into the discussion of cell mortality, do you have any, any additional comments on the findings? You know, like Giovanni just mentioned, PERS still <laughs> struggling that every year, the same same pattern, but you have any comments on that? Not many, except thanks Thanks for, for this benchmarking. Of course, the other correlate we always have to ask is whether um, the efforts on the farm are increasing or decreasing. My impression is that the efforts are increasing to control these pathogens, and therefore it's concerning when all we do is tread water and stay about the same. Sense. Giovanni, now focusing on disease diagnosis, uh, what were the findings from, from the, the previous months? Well, for disease diagnosis, we are seeing some change specifically on digestive, where we, for the first time of the year, we are seeing E. coli as the major agent that is confirmed as an etiologic agent during July and August. And in the very beginning, of July that it's within this monitor period, we see some activity for mycoplasma high ammonia. Mm -hmm. Any additional comments on that, Dr. Dean or Daniel? And of course, for the, for the respiratory pers, along with uh, influenza and mycoplasma, continue to be the leading causes of respiratory disease as defined by diagnosticians, right? Uh, right, Giovanni? right. And nervous septococcus is one that appears every month. Mm -hmm. No surprises there. No. I guess I, I would just comment that um, a, along with in, infectious disease processes in, in the growing herd, um, there is um, some reports and tendencies at, that we're seeing mortality rates also increasing in, in the growing herd at this time. And... Um, it's not a direct comparison with cell mortality because uh, growing herd mortality is measured as a proportion of, of the pigs placed rather than the inventory for a year. Mm -hmm. um, but um, we, we also need to consider mortality in this population as, as an area to emphasize. Yeah, great point. And speaking of that, let's jump into the discussion of of cell mortality. So we know, Dr. Ding, that cell mortality has significantly increased in the previous, in the previous years. So for example, from some production uh, data manage management systems such as PicChamp or MetaFarm and others, they have reported values averaging 14, 15% uh, of, of cell mortality and, and even more in some systems. And recently, Jin Long shared information from, from Ron Ketchin from the, for the values of a dead cell in a system ranging from $996 to $1,275 for each cell. So it's cause, cell mortality caused by multifactorial interaction of, of, of factors. So it's a, it's a complex, complex list involving, for example, feed management, body condition, 
guilt development, infrastructure, feed composition, the management in the farm, and you name it. And But what is the most important factor, in your opinion, related to, to, to soil mortality today, in, to these issues that we are facing now? Anything else that we are missing? Kind of, we know what are the causes, but we still have those high values, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a complicated answer. As you mentioned, it's multifactorial in understanding not only the individual factors, but the interaction between those factors is important. I tend to think, and looking back at my own work and the work of, of others, that we're underestimating the effects of, of changes in protective me mechanisms. And I'll name two protective mechanisms. The first one is reproductive failure. Uh, though we don't often view it uh, in terms of mortality, we need to recognize that the, uh, reproductive failure in many cases is a self-protective response to pathologic processes that may result in mortality, especially if the sow is pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that um, some of the improvements in reproduction that we've seen in our herds is actually by uh, reducing those self-protective mechanisms. The, the other protective mechanism is uh, culling, that we cull sows that we think are going to die. And I think in addition, we're culling sows due to poor um, reproductive performance that indirectly are responding to threats to to survivability. And putting those three together um, is something we haven't done enough of. And, and I'll give one example. I, I've studied lameness in detail. And when we look at lameness, lameness causes reproductive failure. Uh, lameness results in um, culling, not only because of a, a, a direct reported cause at point of culling, but because indirectly it causes reproductive failure. Mm -hmm. And last of all, uh, lameness causes um, mortality uh, as, as a direct effect as well. And so we can't really understand it until we view these factors in terms of the overall um, processes going on in, in the sow herd. And recently we have some 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 research effort also on the on the areas of, of sow prolapse and the relationship with 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 more sow mortality and also the, the guilt preparation, the guilt development in terms of sow retention. What are your what is your what is your opinion on, on that topic too? Yeah, and a lot of work has gone into um, prolapses and uh, guilt development. And I think there are two different factors to study. Prolapses came on relatively suddenly as, as an outbreak at much higher rates. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been in some ways profoundly um, poor at understanding the mechanisms behind prolapses. And so we have to question the scientific processes that are going on at, at, at this point as well. I, I struggle with this basic question. Is, are prolapses caused um, by a factor that is generalized through the sow herd, but expressed at different levels? Mm -hmm. Or is it um, that there are 
sows resistant to prolapses and others that are susceptible. I think most of the research has been done on the latter, and I'm beginning to think something has changed in our sow herd. And it's difficult to compare um, the, the differences in, um, in the anatomy of sows in, um, in the mechanisms which um, keep uh, reproductive um, organs in place um, based on looking before this outbreak occurred. I think there's opportunities to do it on a geographic basis and compare our sows with sows in other countries that have not seen this outbreak perhaps yet. And, and so um, I think there are opportunities to go in different directions. In, in terms of guilt development and, and, and the effect upon uh, sow survivability and, and sow mortality, we need to recognize that uh, a number of factors have been identified. Mm -hmm. My concern is sometimes they're just identified in terms of statistical significance. And that can be important, but we have a strength in many cases of large populations where we can easily find significance compared to uh, statistical, uh, experimentally um, designed, uh, design studies. And so I'm always looking for population attributable fractions. In other words, if we change this factor in guilt development, how much mortality or how much increase in survivability do we actually see? And, and I'm looking for that more and more because one of the old tricks in sow reproductive studies is just have lots of sows and get your p-value uh, uh, p less than 0 0.05 and really not have much of an effect upon um, the overall sow herd. And when, when you talk about guilt uh, development and acclimation and preparation and everything and, and correlate that to survivability down the road, it's uh, due to different factors, but going back to your work, definitely related to sow lameness right down the road and... Uh, not so sure if I've seen data on prolapse, but I wouldn't be surprised too if uh, guilt's better acclimated to to the pathogens and with a good body structure, right? With the, all everything in place for a good kind of sound sound body at the time of reproduction, that could, like you said, have some role in the in the risk of prolapse too, right? Yeah, uh, thanks, Daniel, and and I think you make a good point there that. Overall, sow mortality is a slow-moving indicator, and it's difficult to model against overall sow mortality, and we need to reduce it down to primary factors of concern. And so if we look at lameness, um, we can more directly cre create uh, relationships uh, with factors such as in guilt development. And if we understand the full effect of lameness, as I've mentioned, we can make strong cases through, um, through indirectly affecting uh, cell mortality by controlling some of these pathologies. Mm -hmm. And we, we have been talking a lot about these pathologies that affect the cells and survivability. Should we somehow looking for the cells that did survive? What are the factors that are contributing for them to survive longer than losing them in the herd? Yeah, I, I, that, that's a, a, a very good point. 
that we need to understand uh, some of these pathologies in more detail. This is an epidemiologist talking, but um, I, I think we need to understand and identify some of our primary pathologies. I think one of the big uh, difficulties we have is that we use reproductive failure as too much of an identity of problems in the sow herd. Mm -hmm. And we should actually assume that if there is a truly repeatable reproductive failure or reproductive problem in the sow, there's an underlying pathology. Mm-hmm. And we haven't looked enough for those pathologies. Instead, we've called on the basis of reproductive failure, which, in my argument, is an indicator of uh, difficulties in sow survivability as well. Um, factors such as inflammatory processes can be studied in more detail and found to be much more of a factor than, than simply saying this sow repeated um, in reproductive failure, therefore we color. Great point. And we are uh, veterinarians and tend to think about a lot about infectious diseases, but got to rem- remember that uh, not all causes will be infectious, right? There will be some non-infectious causes related to those problems and survivability too. Uh, very good point. Uh, and... and um, And within herd studies are probably much more effective at studying variation in infectious disease processes. A new introduction of of a PERS variant, uh, for instance, can be easily studied when, in fact, many of these pressures on sow survivability are long-term non-infectious processes that, frankly, we get used to. Um, we used to joke in terms of examining lameness and claw integrity that all we really needed to do is to buy flashlights and actually look at the claws of sows to understand some of the pathologies in place. But those are not recorded. And instead, we emphasize the, the productivity measures uh, that show up in our, our, our record-keeping systems. Great point. Great discussion. And Dr. Dean, uh, in terms of the data, we are, we are talking about these factors, but how do you see the, the, the industry using the, this data, how we should move in terms of, okay, let's, we have this problem, we know our, what are the potential causes, but how can we take the full advantage of, of the data that we already have? What, what kind of causal pathway should we look for or, or at least do something like that? What's your opinion on that realm? Yeah, it's a very good question um, to ask how we design our recording systems. And I I think there's there's two approaches uh, that we need to emphasize. Uh, The first is questioning whether or not what we collect is important for the objectives of of the farm. Mm -hmm. And um, um, issues such as sow condition have been recorded for some time and shown to have a correlation with a a number of factors. We've done um, sporadic um, indications uh, of uh, our studies of uh, lameness, for instance. However, the problem is the response to lameness is not, in many cases, individual sow-based other than than culling. 
Um, and, and so it's less attractive as an ongoing study. But I think there is a point to what we call industrial experimentation. Understand a process in more detail over a discrete amount of time and collect extra variables. Some of those pathologies uh, we spoke of. So, so, so that's the, the, the first level. I think the second aspect, and it's, it's underemphasized in, in many of our studies, is, again, in terms of, uh, of epidemiology and our studies in swine, we often depend on continuous variables, uh-huh. and we struggle with categorical vari- variables. So, again, sow condition. Um, how many different levels do you put in place? Lameness. I, I've seen scalars for lameness as much as seven. And, and in my hands, easy recording and, and utilizable recording is do a small study, figure out which ones are the real problem animals and, um, and, and create a binary classification. Say, these are bad sows. These are good sows. Let's understand how big the difference is. And then we can refine the, the measurement as we slowly progress through the system. We've seen that, we have seen that with full-value pigs in, in, in our, our growing pig herds, that we create a binary system of good pigs, bad pigs, mm-hmm. and we can change that classification over time. And I think we've got to do more with good sows, bad sows, and, and simply realize how big the differences are in our herds. And we know more than we think we do. Yeah, great point. And that binary uh, classification may be for lameness, maybe for reproductive kind of performance, maybe for other factors, right? Yeah, in my hands, for instance, lameness is best managed as just saying, if you see it lame, the performance isn't that much different um, between scales of lameness until you get to the sows that simply can't walk. Um, they progress through the system if they're maintained in the system in a predictable fashion of reproductive failure, culling, or mortality. Meaning, like, like you said before, right, a cross-sectional study may be misleading, right? You see, see no difference between lame and no lame, but just you wait. Keep following those sows over time, and, and then that's the real, real question, right? Yeah, and that, uh, that brings up the good point. It, it, the other aspect of data, and, and it's part of record-keeping system, is prospective data is a lot better than retrospective data. And so calculating and determining causes of, of, um, uh, of mortality or culling based on the endpoint is, in many cases, quite inaccurate. If we went to study risk factors, we identify the risk factor at the beginning and study the, the effect upon the sow. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Dean, as a closing remark here to, to, to wrap up our discussion, it was really good. But just uh, we, we usually ask this question, but how can we use, for example, the disease diagnostic information, but how do you use, take advantage of all the data that we collect in, a, in, in the swine industry t- today. So you have disease diagnostics, you have nutrition information, you have productivity data, and many others, management strategies, like you said, for example, interventions that we're going to start, but try to collect that and record so we can analyze that prospectively to support, understand this problem. 
how is the industry using this this large amount of database in, in, in how can they use in a more insightful manner to solve this problem i i think uh, on production records the database hasn't changed very much in in, in sour record keeping system the the databases we used 20 years ago uh, to study sow mortality are about the same that occur right now. And um, the other aspect is it's hard um, to um, to haul um, sow carcasses around and do uh, thorough studies for chronic diseases. One of the databases I would be interested in is actually examining um, doing full necropsies on on uh, sows with prolapses, for instance, and understanding if there are other um, pathologies in place already in these sows, whether it be in joints, whether it be in feet, whether it be in inflammatory processes in various parts. Um, some have studied dentition in the past mm -hmm. and showed a, a correlation with, uh, between survivability and dentition. And so simply understanding in more detail where our sows are at in, in aging processes or accelerating aging processes mm -hmm. would be very useful. We've done some studies of thorough um, uh, pathology on sows, but it's unpopular in the sow herd for disposal and or moving to an area. But I, I think we need it. Any other final comments, Daniel, Giovanni? Yeah, I think out of this discussion about sow longevity and mortality, it's pretty uh, hot topic in swine industry, and we need to keep a close eye on that. And just uh, going back to the report, this month we just bring a bonus page that talks about international benchmarking of key performance indicator for pork production that was made for the year of 2009. So it's uh, another insightful reading that you can find in this month's report. Yeah, from, from Dr. Holt Camp, right? Yes, yes, and his Good. team. Thanks a lot for taking the time for this discussion, uh, Dr. Dean. Thanks very much for the opportunity. It, it, those were good questions, and we need a lot more conversations like these. Yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Dean. So that was it for this month, guys. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for joining. It was a really good discussion. And see you guys next month. See you.